This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a supplemental episode of Black Box Down. It's Gus and Chris. Hello, Chris. Supplemental. Supplemental. It's your 100% of your recommended daily allowance of uh, airplane stories. And uh, we have a special guest uh, with us for this episode. We have Blaine Gibson. Not the Blaine Gibson who found a piece of Malaysia Flight 370, but uh, (sighs) Blaine Gibson who works at Rooster Teeth. (laughs) That guy. If I had a nickel for every time someone tweeted me and they're like, hey, you're a con artist, Blaine Gibson. I know that you're not finding these plane parts. Like, wait, <laughs> he didn't really find the plane parts. I there's people that think that he it's they speculate that he's just like you know full of crud and he's you know planting parts and stuff like that. He's just wanting to get media attention, and then I'm mm. catching all the flack for it because we have the same name, and I'm probably the most you know followers for that name on Twitter. Most uh, Google searchable. Yeah, yeah, I got the best SOE of or search engine S- opposite SEO of any of the Blake Gibsons. Didn't you get invited onto a podcast one time? People thinking you were with him. Oh yeah, that was a while ago. So there was a there was like a conspiracy theory podcast or something, and they wanted to do an episode on uh, the Malaysian airline flight and it being missing. And they're like, you know, we were a big fan of your work. You finding all those plane parts? You want to be on? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'd love to be on. <laughs> Didn't tell them that it wasn't the right plane, Gibson. I was just gonna BS my way through the episode, and then I think they caught on right before, and they're like, ah, yeah, no, forget about it. Oh. We actually, on our Twitter account, you can follow us on social media at BlackBoxDownPod on Twitter and Instagram. We also have Facebook, brand new as well. When we did the Malaysia 370 episode, we actually tweeted a picture of the other Blaine Gibson holding a piece of uh, <laughs> the plane. I know that because I follow you guys and it is one of the, the best accounts to follow because you get all the <laughs> supplemental material that you would normally not be able to get from an audio podcast. Yeah, like knowing what the other Blaine Gibson looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of podcast that blaine is supposed to be on where are you from oh gee i'm on a lot of rooster teeth things chris you and i have a a show called good morning from hell mm-hmm. that you've promoted a couple times on the show i'm also on a uh, warner brothers has a movie podcast called popcorn and shield that you can find on their youtube page and then uh, we also got uh, a big project with the three of us coming up in our friend barbara called uh, tales from the stinky dragon yes yeah, a dungeons and dragons podcast audio podcast yeah Trailer coming out for that April 20th and the... Which is already out. On, oh, it's already out. At it's this already point. out. Yeah, thank you. Thank it's you. out right now. And you can go subscribe and listen to that right now. And the first episode itself will be out on May 4th. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you like D&D um, or just like storytelling, it's going to be awesome. And if you don't like D&D or don't know if you like D&D, this is the perfect opportunity to find out. Um, yeah. Because it's just like fun stories and 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 uh adventures well speaking of storytelling and fun yeah. stories, perfect segue we Nailed have it. an episode today where we're going to be talking we do people seem to really like the last time we did uh personal travel stories and plane stories so we're gonna be doing that again we asked blaine to be here with us to share some of his own personal travel stories i, I want to point out that i am so excited to be on because i am an avid listener of the show and i always text gus when i'm listening to it questions that i would ask if i were on the show and not chris and I also threatened to take to usurp Chris and to take his spot as the <laughs> as the co-host. I know it'll never happen, but I can dream. Well, uh, why don't you prove yourself with a good story? Oh, well, this one actually involves you and, and a few of our other coworkers. Oh, I do this really obnoxious thing that I think is hilarious, where I prank. Oh, my I friends. know, I know what this is because I ha- I think I had it on my list of stories to tell. Oh, well, I'm taking it. Um, yeah, no, I do this thing where I, I'm TSA pre-check and clear. So, like, I go to the airport, 
and I rarely check it, do a check-in bag, so I just walk straight in and I'm there. So for people who aren't familiar, Clear is a service where you don't have to show your ID. They do biometric, like they check your fingerprint or your retina scan to get on the plane. And then pre-check lets you get to the front of the security line. Bro, it is the snobbiest service ever. Right. Because they, they walk you straight to the front. Right. So when you have both of these services together, you walk up to the kiosk, they take your fingerprint, and they walk you straight to the front of the line, and you just go immediately through the security machine. You skip the entire waiting process for that. So yeah, no, it's, it's a very uh, painless process for me to get onto a plane and to get into the airport and through security. So I'll typically like go in, you know, grab a coffee, just kind of lounge around. And airplanes are so big that there's just like safety and numbers, anonymity, like I could just blend in with the crowd like an assassin. So that's not a good way to talk about be- getting onto <laughs> yeah, a plane. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, so if I'm, I'm typically doing work trips, that's like one of the big things that I'm flying for. So, you know, Chris will be there or I'll be flying with a group of other Rooster Teeth employees. And I just show up at the airport at a certain time. And then typically someone who's boarding the plane with me will want to know where I'm at. So they'll be like, hey, you know, are you, are you far out or whatever? And I've done this like probably five, four or five times where I've texted the person. I'm like, oh, my God, you just woke me up. I'm running so late for my for the flight. <laughs> and I'll send fake updates and I'll be like, I'm getting in a cab now. I'm, I'm 20 minutes away. And then, you know, the last time I did this to Chris, I was like, Chris, you got to stop that plane. You can't let it take off. <laughs> and I was like, where are Because we were like boarding and he said he was on. He, he was just waking up. And I was like, I. There's no way, dude. <laughs> and and he's like sending me texts of like where he is in the Uber. And he's like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Just like to stall. <laughs> I go to the um front desk. I'm like, my friend, he's like, he's almost here. I know this is the last boarding call, but I think he's just like, he's so close. And they're like, sorry, sorry. sir. Like, I was like, okay. And I'm like waiting outside the gate, trying like. <laughs> For the last second for him to come. I'm like, come on, come on, Blaine, you can do it. I'm like, I'm trying, like, hurry. You know? And to be clear, at this point, I've already boarded the flight. I've watched Chris go through this whole process. I've 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 watched him from afar and I've snuck onto the plane while Chris is trying to get me. Over. Oh man. It's the most irresponsible thing because say Chris actually does manage to stop the flight or something, like I'm counting on it not happening, but it's just fun well, watching. It, yeah, it doesn't happen. It, it it doesn't work because they, they don't hold Flights for stupid people. Let me tell you something, Blaine. Okay. I'm glad you do this. Specifically, I'm glad you do this to Chris because Chris once almost gave me a heart attack at uh, the airport in New York City. Uh, where were we? I think we were at uh, flying out of JFK. We were leaving New York Comic Con. There's a group of us who were all traveling and I got on the plane and I knew Chris was at the air. Well, no, I didn't know Chris was at the airport. I'm texting no. Chris like, Chris, where are you? We're on the plane. The plane's about to take off. I'm, I'm not a good friend like Chris, by the way. I'm not out there trying to get them uh-uh. to delay the plane. I already boarded. And I'm just texting like, we're about to take off, dude. We were late. It was, it was uh, me and uh, Michael It was Jones, you and Michael, I and think, we, yeah. we'd, we'd underestimated how long it would take to get to the airport. We had a late launch. These two stroll onto the plane literally at the last second. They get on the plane. The door closes behind them with, like, giant smoothies in their hands. Like, they... <laughs> And they're like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, you you were running so late, but you still stopped and waited to get these smoothies at the Good airport Lord. and then get on the plane. It was almost a mistake. Uh, yeah, I know. They closed the door behind you. We got there late and they were like, there was just a couple people left boarding. And I was like, oh, man, we're, we barely made it. But there's no one in line for smoothies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like. I think we can do it. So then I order smoothies and like, I'm like watching the line and like, 
it's no one's there and i'm like oh shoot am i just gonna have to abandon my smoothie and then they're like here's your smoothies and then i'm like Ugh! and i ran it and hand it to michael and then we like we, yeah we were but you all on. walked on so calm like nothing yeah because at that point we had our smoothies, but and we were on the plane. That's what infuriated me. So I'm glad Blaine does this to you. I'm glad that I'm getting an endorsement from Gus because I I felt like I was gonna get a talking down to like you could have hauled, you could have stopped this, this, and this process. Like I thought there was like a logistics no, no, reasons no. why I shouldn't do that. I'm glad I did that. But yeah, no, like typically what'll happen is I'll be you know telling the person, oh no, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. And then when they get on the flight, I'm like typically seated next to them because I like sitting next to my friends on the plane, and they're just yeah. like, oh god. <laughs> Barbara got so upset with me. I I did it to Cole or Miles before we went to Japan. It's and it's just so funny watching them. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a PTSD group that gets together and not to talk about their pain, but to plan revenge. <laughs> you know, you talk. I don't want this whole episode to turn into like. A commercial for clear or anything uh-huh. but you telling that story reminded me of one time that i only made a plane because of clear i was in los angeles for work and uh i was having to do this thing where i flew in in the morning we had to go tour like a bunch of different facilities because we we're going to be doing a live event so i had to like tour a bunch of facilities to figure out which one we we're going to do the event at mm-hmm. and then i was going to fly back to austin that evening so it was like flying in the morning do this work then fly out so then we finished up our last tour and it was like 5 p.m. And I want to say our last venue was like in Hollywood and we had to get to LAX. And uh, it was one of those things where, you know, I'm driving as fast as I can in a rental car trying to get back to the airport. Oh, God. And as I'm driving, a car accident literally happens behind me like this big truck hits another car and I'm like, can't stop. You know, can't turn around. (laughs) We're we're in a hurry. I I get back to the rental car place and it's it's one of those services where... I return the car and then they give you a ride to the airport. Like you don't have to wait for a shuttle. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I pull into the rail car return place and I'm like, hey, I've got a flight like in 15 minutes. Can you take me back to the airport? And the guy's like, he's like putting on driving gloves, like no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and then he, he drives so fast to get to LAX. And it's one of those things where I'm like, thank you for dropping me off. I didn't have any bags, luckily, because it was just for the day. And I run up, you know, go through clear and like literally running through the airport. You know, I run to the gate and I get to the gate right as they're closing the door. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And I get on like last second and walk onto the plane. Oh, it's God. like if I hadn't had like those extra services like clear and pre-check and like all those things, I would have, there's no way I would have made that flight. But just Photo because finish. like, yeah, pulling up last second, uh, like getting on just at the last possible moment. Like I've never cut it more close than that. I've had so many close calls and I've actually had two missed flights. One of them, again, involves Chris. I was going to go to San Francisco because I was, uh, my girlfriend at the time it was her birthday. So I was going out there. I can't remember if I was doing a surprise or what. I think it was a surprise. So I was going to go out there because her, her birthday was the next day. But the day previous, Chris and I were taking part in this production where it's called Interview with My Drunk Self. Where basically like we filmed a, a wide shot where Chris and I were just talking to an empty chair, asking it questions. We proceeded to drink a lot of alcohol. So we were, you know, pretty drunk. And then we sat in the other chair and then someone else as our previous sober selves asked us questions and then us as drunk people answered it, cut it together. It looks like we're at our sober self is interviewing our drunk self, right? Yeah. That is the drunkest I've ever been in my life. It, it was the worst mm-hmm. experience ever. And I had a flight <laughs> the next day and I was so sick that when I got to the airport, I was like super late because I just kept getting sick. And uh, I remember getting to the counter and I was like, hey, I might have to change my flight to San Francisco. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Like we're going through. And then they call my name on the on the sound thing. They're like, Blaine Gibson, you know, this is your final call. And he was like, wait, was that your name? 
And I said, yeah. And he's like, you shouldn't have come to this counter. You you should have just gone through security. You would have gotten on, but because oh, of that, oh, no. you you just missed your flight. And I was like, okay, well, can I get one for later in the day today? And he said, there are no more flights to San Francisco today, sir. And oh. I had to rebook for the earliest one the next day. And the next day, I was still hungover. Oh, my God. Boyfriend of the year material. Yeah, yeah. real, real quality. What, I had a... Well, this is a different experience, but sort of similar. I was in um, Vegas with Brandon Farmahini. And we, at the beginning of the trip, we had bought some beer to have at the hotel, like as like a pregame thing, which was stupid because it was Vegas. And so we're out and our flight is super early too. We have like a 5 a.m. flight, which means we're leaving at like four. At some point we were out and we're like, oh, we can't go to sleep because we we've been out like, you know, since I mean, we've been drinking and gambling and stuff. It was like 3 a.m. And we're like, we can't go to sleep. We'll, we'll sleep through our flight. Let me guess. You were already drunk at this point when you're making this decision. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were. <laughs> And we're like, we're just going to have to drink through it. Oh, God. Or stay awake. And like, so we're like, at that point in our hotel, and I remember we were like hitting each other, trying to st- not, not fall asleep while we're oh packing. Oh, my God. Like, wake up, wake up. We got to get. And then we're packing up, and I find this beer that we bought. And knowing Chris, you will go out of your way to hold on to coupons. And if it's expiring yeah. tomorrow, well, I wasn't going to let the beer it. go away. Exactly. I knew exactly where the story was going. So I took the beer <laughs> and I was like, we'll take it on the plane. This has made sense at the time. As you do. Yeah. I was like, we'll put it in our, our bag. And we get to the TSA. Obviously, they're like, you have a six pack of beer <laughs> in your bag? Yeah. You can't take liquid through security. I God. know. And I was like, yes, sir, we do. so then i talk i I take it and i was like brandon they won't let us take it on we're gonna have to drink it chris (laughs) what kind of beer was this uh was it like an expensive brand or was it like bud light or something no no it wasn't bud light i think it was like a heineken or so it was like an okay brand you know we then proceeded i was like we gotta just drink as much as we can so then we're sitting there like at the front of the security line drinking just trying to chug <laughs> shotgunning beers. Beer. Oh my god. I think we didn't finish all of them, but we got like we got through a lot of them and I felt really bad about I I was like trying to hand them out to people. I was like, "Do you want this beer?" <laughs> like <laughs> So this is Las Vegas. Is this open container? Does that also apply to the interior of an airport? You can walk around with open containers in the Vegas airport. I was going to say yeah. you could have been a rock star. You could have seen some dude who was like heading into his bachelor party and just been like, "Hey, bud, here's a six-pack, you know, have a blast." Yeah. But like that's I mean, I, it made sense at the time. It didn't make sense on the flight back when we started getting really hungover. Oh Ugh. god. We're going to end up, I guess, telling drunken mistakes all in this episode is what it seems like because like all y'all are making me think of similar stories that that i've been through and uh i'm a little older than you guys and before my current job with rooster teeth i used to work uh in it and as for that job i used to travel it was a traveling job i spent five days out of the week flying around the united states so as a result of this i traveled a lot before september 11th when you know security was very different Mm. and i remember once i had to fly out for work the morning after my birthday. It was like, what was it? It would have been like my 22nd birthday or something. Oh, boy. Yeah, so like went out and drank all night. And I had an early flight. I had to fly super early the next morning. You know, show up to the airport the next morning, the morning after my birthday, pretty hungover. um, Get to, you know, where you got to go, you got to go through security. And I realized I left my ID at a bar last night. (gasps) Oh, no. And I'm like, 
oh, I need to travel for work. Like I need to get on this plane. Things were so different back then. I talked my way through security without, I got on that plane with no ID, right? I was like, hey, listen, it was my birthday last night. I left my ID at a bar. I swear it's me. I'm going to this. You know, I got a trip. And uh, I mean, it, it wasn't like easy, but I did it. It took, you know, maybe an extra five or 10 minutes to get through security. But wow. I talked my way through security onto the plane. What a different world we lived in back then. Holy Totally crap. different world. Can you imagine trying to do that now? It's crazy. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? Well, the internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure, so to keep my data private when I go online, I use ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. Uh, one of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers that makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. The best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use no matter what device you're on, if it's a phone, laptop, smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown. Go to expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown to learn more. So you guys are talking about like stories involving alcohol. So one time I was in Seattle, which in Seattle or in Washington, uh, marijuana is legal and is not in Texas. So this is an unfamiliar concept to us Texans. So I went to a party at the end of PAX, which is a big you know gaming conference out there. And uh, the night before I uh, partook, would you say in the in the local uh, weed? Um, I had a flight, and I kid you not, it must have been at like five or six a.m. It was some ungodly time. It was like one of the first flights out of the airport. And uh, this party was going, and I had, he was with friends that I hadn't seen in so long. So I was like, okay, here's the plan. I'm going to go to the party, just run back to my hotel to grab my bag, not even sleep, just sleep on the plane on the way home. Like the Vegas one. Exactly. So, yeah, slapping myself uh, to, to stay awake and stuff like that. And I was not at this point familiar with weed and how my body would respond to it. So I was. let's just say I was having a bad time. Uh, that party was not great for me. I did not enjoy it. I felt like everyone hated me and I had, had to then go back to my hotel and I didn't trust myself to sleep. Even I had a time for a nap, but I didn't trust myself to do it. So then I just grabbed my bag, went to the airport and then I had to go through security and I'm already a very self-conscious, uh, paranoid person. So amplified with, you know, in the state of mind I was in, I was just horrified going through security. And I was just like, they know, everyone knows, everyone's looking at me. And it was like the worst security experience I've had. And and I'm sure from a sober person's perspective, I just looked like a weird guy going through security. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, they know, 
but like it's legal. Yeah. But so I just I didn't know the logistics and on the way on the Uber ride there, which I, I was convinced my Uber a driver hated me and like knew as well. So I was like pausing while fiercely Googling, is it legal to fly out high uh, from Seattle? <laughs> I'm also making intentional stops to, to, to talk to my Uber driver to keep conversation. And this guy, I don't think had any interest in talking to me because it's 6 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning. And uh, it was just, it was just a nightmare. I don't recommend it. In that case where it's legal, it's like, it's no different than, than Chris flying drunk from Vegas, right? It's like the same thing. But I was reading all these horror stories of like people getting turned away because they were too, you know, not in their right mind. And I was, I was convinced that was going to happen to me and I was going to get fired because it was a work trip. And (laughs) were you sitting in an exit row? Oh no, no. Which that would have been bad. Got to save that responsibility. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nightmare. Nightmare. I had a, a work trip. This is another one with uh, my friend Brandon. We were in Atlanta and we'd filmed uh, this shoot at a race car track. Gus, you were there. It was an immersion episode. And we had rented a bunch of equipment there along with like an SUV for hauling some equipment. We were, we were there for probably a good like five or six days prepping for the shoot and then shooting. Day we're coming back, we drop off all, all the equipment we rented and they're like, hey, you're missing a bunch of of sandbags and you know sandbag it's just like sand and a bag but you know it's rental places it was it was it was like a hundred dollars worth of sandbags or something like that which was a lot we were were, you know we didn't have a it's a pretty low budget production for what it was and we were like stressing out about it but like i don't know where must must have left them at at the shoot and then we go to return our rental car at the airport and we like fold up the seats and there's like four or five sandbags, like 20 pound sandbags. And we're like, oh my God, there they are. So then we're like, well, what do we do with them? And we're like, let's put them in our, we, I mean, these are good. We already paid the rental place for them. We, they're expensive. Sandbags are very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't we just take them back with us and we can use them in Austin for our production? Like, <laughs> you're bringing back dead weight with you. Yeah, yeah. So we put these like over, it probably was over 100 pounds of sand in our bags were these checked bags or carry-on bags they were checked bags oh no and how did you distribute them were they all in one or did you was it across two bags we split across two and then we get to check in our bags and our bags are just like so i mean you just imagine we lift them up it's like the little thing that weighs it just like sunk down (laughs) (laughs) that scale was one day away from retirement (laughs) (laughs) and and the woman working, it's like, your bags are way too heavy. What do you have in there? And I was like, sand. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, we took our bags out. And we're like, I wonder if we can redistribute and maybe just take one sand. You know, like, how many sandbags? And we're trying. We couldn't take any sandbags. They were too heavy. Oh, man. So then we're like, we have, like, 100 plus pounds of sandbags. And we're like, what do we do with it? And we're like, is there an airport that we could... I mean, an um, UPS or something, maybe we could mail them, but then we're like, oh, mailing this much weight is going to end up costing. And we didn't know what to do with it because we, di- we didn't have time to go back and return it to the other place. We would have missed our flight. So we were like, let's just throw them in the trash. Oh, I guess. We didn't know what else to do. So we just dumped them in a trash can. And all I could think about as I was going through the security was, that poor janitor who goes. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I was like, I, it didn't occur to me to like, because we we we're in a hurry at that point. We we're like, we can't just, just, we'll just throw them away. 
And so we threw him in there. And then as I'm walking away, I'm like, that janitor is going to go and be like, what the heck is in this trash? It was one day from retirement. <laughs> I have, uh, uh, speaking of weights, I'm, I found it just as you wrapped up that story. I like to play a game to see how close I can get to the 50-pound limit. And I have a picture on my phone that is exactly at 50 pounds. This was at Austin Bergstrom Airport on August 30th at 7 a.m. And I remember in 2018. And I remember I hit it and I was like, oh my God. Like I felt like I won the lottery because it just hit <laughs> right at 50 pounds. I was so excited. Was it at 50 as you put it down or did you have to move some stuff to your carry? It was right. I remember because I, I was like, I don't know if this is going to make it. I put it on there, you know. 50 and i was like oh my god yeah coins i was so like you get to fly the plane sir i was <laughs> i was thrilled and the other the person this is on my trip to uh japan this is my first time flying to japan and i just remember just being over the moon so you couldn't bring any souvenirs back is what i'm getting no out of i think <laughs> what i ended up doing was there was a bag within the bag because i was going to hit japan and uh. then i was going to go to uh england afterwards so i knew that i was going to have like a ton of things to bring home so i oh i remember i have a story based on your story you i remember this you you flew from austin to japan then you flew from japan to england yep and you had your choice of flights and you showed me your itinerary <laughs> and you thought I was messing with you because you showed me your itinerary and you flew Aeroflot, right. which is like the Russian airline, the Russian flagged airline. And I was like, you shouldn't fly that airline. And you thought I was just messing with you, try, trying to make you nervous about the flight. And I was like, no, dude, don't fly on Aeroflot. You were like, they have <laughs> the worst track record or one of the worst track records of any, you know, in terms of safety and stuff like that. <laughs> and Gus, I kid you not. That whole flight, I was horrified. I was look. I had a window street. I was looking out the window at the engine and, and any movement or bob in it. I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> at least if I remember right, the flight you flew was like a relatively modern Boeing or Airbus aircraft. It wasn't like it wasn't one of the old Soviet era planes that I was more worried about. Yeah. In fact, I think I have a picture because I thought it was interesting. I think it had a Rolls Royce engine. This could have been a different flight, but it was on that same leg. But I just remember, like, I was taking in every single detail of that Aeroflot plane. Even when they served, uh, uh, you know, food services or whatever, they gave out some, like, Russian chicken dish. And it was, like, the, the chicken was, like, green. And I was really concerned. And I was like, I don't know if Gus oh. would want me to eat this or not. <laughs> <laughs> we got to try it. It was a bummer because I had I had a choice of flying uh, from Japan to London, either through uh, Seoul, South Korea or uh, Moscow, Russia. And I remember in my mind, I was like, I'm probably gonna go to Seoul anyways. But at that time, something weird was going on with Russia and I was convinced, and I think everybody else was, that like, you might not be able to go to Russia as an American in the future because I felt like we were like on the brink of war whenever that trip was. So I was like, I, I gotta go through Moscow. I gotta give it a go. What is the name of the airline? Aeroflot, A-E-R-O-F-L-O-T. We did an episode with Aeroflot. It's the one where the... Captain let his son sit at the controls. Oh, that the, one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the airline. There's another incident they had. We're probably never going to cover this in an episode. Who knows? Maybe we will. Where um, the pilot flying bet the other pilot that he could land the plane with the curtains closed. <laughs> and so he, he closed the curtains in the cockpit mm. and crashed into the airport. <laughs> into the airport? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, they were coming into land. He crashed on the runway. Uh, we probably will never do that as an episode just because it's so straightforward. It's very right? straightforward There's no episode. mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's... He closed the curtains and wasn't looking and crashed. I mean, you can't make an episode out of that. Good God. It's just it's just an airline that I'm I'm I get worried about. 
but you were okay. Like they have some old planes. You flew on a modern one. It was it was okay. Yeah. It was fine. Arrow flot, more like yeah. arrow flop. Ooh. Ooh, you got them. When I went on that trip, Pokemon <laughs> Go was a huge deal. That was like kind of early Pokemon Go days. And uh, Mr. Mime was region exclusive at the time to like specific European countries. And I only had the opportunity to, to catch him in Moscow, basically. That was the only country I was going to be in that I could have gotten him. So the entire time I was at the Moscow airport, which, by the way, I went nuts at the gift shop. I bought my dad like a bunch of Soviet stuff because they, they sell a bunch of like sickle and hammer, like memorabilia. I bought my dad like a Russian hat and all this stuff. And uh, I remember as we were about to lift off to go to London, at this point, I wasn't on an Aeroflot flight. I think I was on some British Airways thing. But I was like, I haven't caught a Mr. Mime yet. And as we're lifting off, a Mr. Mime popped up on the runway. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to start throwing Pokeballs. You know, so I then I threw one. And then, like, it was kind of doing the jiggling thing. And, like, as that was happening, I lost internet connection. So I went, like, you know, two to three hours, however long the flight is to London, not knowing if I'd caught the Mr. Mime. And then when I landed, <laughs> sure enough, I managed to catch the Mr. Mime. Oh, man. Yeah. You weren't in airplane mode, though, huh? Uh, Not during liftoff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just imagine it's like the visual of that is this plane taking off and you throwing a pokeball <laughs> out the window of the plane blindly at Mr. Mime who's like dancing, you know, like off the well, at like that, maybe he's, he's Mr. Mime, Mime is one of the uh, uh the 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 runway people with the the <laughs> yeah. and you like throw your pokeball out and he looks up and then just get sucked in <laughs> into this airplane. <laughs> That's how I caught Comrade Mime. I'm going to rewind a little bit here, going back to some of our drinking stories. This was not me who did the drinking in this case, but one time I was on, I was on a plane, I was flying. And uh, since we fly a lot, sometimes we get upgraded uh, to business class. And in this particular flight, I was on business class. And I don't remember where I was going or what the purpose of the trip was, but the person sitting next to me in business class, I don't know who it was, but I think he was like some... 80s rocker guy like a lead singer from some one of those 80s hair metal bands nice but uh he got on the plane and uh, like all the flight attendants were super friendly with him and he was like chatting him up and you know before we take off it was this was early in the morning it was like a a 7 a.m flight or something you know before we take off if you're in business class they'll ask if you want to drink and uh he you know asked for a miller light which is fine you know something you drink in the morning you drink Mm -hmm. whatever but before we took off while we're still on the ground boarding the plane he drank three miller lights Oh. oh We take off, then right away, he's like, hey, I bring some more. He's just like nonstop chugging Miller Lights on the flight. And uh, at one point, the flight attendant comes by and tells him, and hands him a Miller Light and says, this is the last one on the plane. I had to go back to economy to get this. You have drank all the Miller Light on the plane. If you want another beer after this, we're going to have to switch you to a different brand, <laughs> if that's okay. We have Goose Island or whatever, like some other beer. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. The dude drank all the Miller Lights on the plane. Like, I was oh like... My- that's so metal. It, it wasn't. I want to say that wasn't even a long flight. I want to say it was Denver to Seattle. So it might have only been like a two-hour flight. Oh, he was like, I'm going to take advantage of this and get wasted. <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was in awe. I was like, wow, this guy drank so much beer on the plane. And he only got up to use the bathroom once. That was the thing. I was like, if I drank that much beer, I'd be in like yeah. nonstop having to go pee. But man, well, he, was, uh, he went he for w- it. I mean, it wasn't as impressive of drinking as drinking a six pack of beer in five minutes before you're <laughs> TSA. TSA. <laughs> there was one time me and Blaine were traveling to LA and we decided to do a stupid domino video. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> so we had 
this idea where we were going to do like the world's longest domino chain. Mm -hmm. And we started it in our office where we were just like setting up dominoes on Here our floor. Here in like, Yeah. And we were like, oh, whoa, this is so crazy. Are you ready? And we knock it over and then let dominoes fall. And then we were just doing like sections at a time because we were. We, we edited it together to look like we had one long stretch in the beginning that was like eight or 10 feet long where we're following the dominoes. And then we start to edit parts where it's like, oh, it's going down the road. It's going down the street. Yeah. It was like went outside the building. There was a period of time where I opened a door and then the dominoes, as if they were like somehow <laughs> waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, and then we, yeah, we had it keep going. And then we had it go to the airport, which meant we had to like do dominoes at the airport as if it was like going through security and onto a plane and then off the security. And somehow magically still going within the plane. Yeah. The dominoes were. <laughs> lasting this entire flight only to land and then go out of the plane again into the other airport. But it made for the most bizarre airport interactions I think I've ever had. And I've had a lot of weird ones where we're like setting up dominoes, <laughs> like in random places of the airport, like by, by just, where did we do it all? Uh, we did it by uh, bag pickup in LAX. We did it on a random terminal in LAX. And you, you, you checked a bag. And so you had to go try find your bag. And so I was like, well, you, and you just left me there to do the dominoes by myself. <laughs> when I came back, <laughs> Kristen made friends. <laughs> I made friends with some kids. Oh. And so <laughs> I had a bunch of kids helping me do dominoes. I was like, there were like three or four kids like stacking dominoes. And, we, and I was like, all right, all right, all right, tip it over. I'm going to film it. And like, we were like having fun playing dominoes. Because Blaine took like 30 minutes to get his bag. It was the strangest sight to come back and Chris had just gathered a little like uh, the lost boys to Chris's Peter Pan. <laughs> you, 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 you should have walked up, Blaine, like uh, Chris was your child and be like, hey, buddy, did you make some friends? <laughs> hey, hey, pal. I remember you also, because I wanted to do one on the terminal, uh, like the the loading, uh, what do you call that? Like the jet bridge? Yeah, the, the bridge. Oh, nope. I was not having that. And I was like, let me just, you know, maybe they'll let me do. And Blaine was like, don't even ask. Don't even ask. And then... I like, uh, and he like, what, what, did you just grab me before I could even ask? Chris, you have like uh, the ability to just power through any cringy, uh, you know, social interaction. And I was not letting you do that. I was like, Chris, come on, come on, come on. Like, I just like pulled him out of the flight while he's like whipping out the dominoes. My other friends would have let me, the ones that back his <laughs> Yeah, we did them on the lunch tray. I remember one of the, the flight attendants and then, you know, the person sitting next to us was like, what are you guys doing? And we explained it and they're like, oh, okay. They're, they were helping. Very friendly, yeah. <laughs> the woman who was uh, sitting with us, she was like, oh, you should try stacking them this way. They'll do, because we had it going across like our our meal trays and she was letting us use her meal tray yeah <laughs> like helping us set them up very uh abstract thing that i'm sure they're gonna remember yeah. that too and the video was like 60 seconds dude long it's the on shortest YouTube because it dominoes fall fast <laughs> yeah but thank you blaine for coming on and yeah thanks blaine stories yeah thanks for having me on i've I, again huge fan of the show and uh follow these guys on social because they got a lot of good supplemental content outside of this episode where you get cool pictures and things yeah, and check me and Blaine out on uh, Good Morning from Hell, where we're, we're in hell and we interview uh, dead people and demons and stuff. Yep. And then uh, Blaine's uh, movie podcast. Popcorn Shield, yeah. If you could do me a huge favor and uh, pull up your YouTube app and go to the Warner Brothers Entertainment YouTube channel and give them a subscribe. Tell them Blaine sent you. But the creme de la creme, <laughs> because it has all three of us.
is our our new podcast. Yeah, it's called Tales from the Stinky Dragon. Me and Blaine are uh, characters, and then our dungeon daddy. Oh God, is dungeon master, Gus. dungeon master, <laughs> potato potato. <laughs> you can yeah, check it out. You can search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. The trailer's out now. First episode comes out May fourth. Yeah, please give it a subscribe. And uh, yeah. thank you everyone uh, for listening. We'll be back. I think we have uh, one more really fun bonus episode, and then we'll be back with uh, our regular scheduled content. You got it. Bye. Bye. Bye.